the IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Greetings, Earth people! Wait, that's not this show. Man, I have not done this show in such a long time that I forgot what's going on. This is the one where, like, we're stuck in the house, right? Where, like, there's, like, a virus or something, and we're all hiding inside, and it's all, all whatever, but I, I don't know. We're just here to have fun. We're here to, uh, let the good feelings in, the bad feelings out, and the way... The way that we're going to do that is just by talking about things, talking things through, being together, hanging and clanging on the way through life. I I recorded this one after Christmas. The episode that you guys heard last week was uh, recorded pre-Christmas. This is like the beginning of the Christmas uh, catch-up episodes. My... My Christmas was difficult. It was trying, as I'm sure that it was. That it was for a lot of you guys. It wasn't like the normal Christmas where you get to see your family and you do all those things and have a good time. It was... It was a little sad. It was a little bit of a bummer. But we we did our best to have fun. We did our best to have a good time, which I'm sure which I'm sure that you did. I got I got some good presents. I'm going to be going over those over the next couple of weeks. No no need to like like just like poop them all out at one time when we can like spread the joy over a few weeks. I'm going to I'm going to open one of my Christmas gifts right now. All my Christmas gifts are sitting Sitting unopened, waiting to share with you guys, because I, I just got it like that, you know? I like to share the things that I have with you more than I like to just enjoy them in the, uh, in the solitude of life. What I have, what I have right here now in my hand is a Master of the Universe Retro Play Tila, the heroic warrior goddess. We, we know that I'm into these, uh, reissues of the, um... Of the Masters of the Universe figures. So far, I bought Skeletor and I bought Beastman. And the wife was kind enough to pick me up Tila on the online. Let's, uh, let's bust into her right now. I've been, I'm sitting here watching her, um, in this box. And I just, I don't know, man. I wanted to, like, put her up with my other He-Mans. This one also comes with a comic. Looks like it's the same comic that comes, yeah, Beast Barrage. I now have three copies of, uh, of Beast Barrage. Let's... Let's pull her out here. She's pretty tightly packed into the, uh, into the plastic. I'm just gonna give it, like, one good tug, and we're gonna... Looks like she has some cords. Let's, um... Let's get the Arthur Fonzarelli brand switch. We'll get into this right here. Do a little chiggity chop. Do a little chiggity chop on the other side. We don't even have to. She just comes right out. So we got her right here in my hand, and she's, like, very, very, very similar to the original Tila from back in the day. Tila's, like... She's like He-Man's gal pal, you know? They have, like, this platonic thing going on, and they... They just, like, I don't know, man. They hang out, and they they fight Skeletor, and they... They do stuff like that. I'm getting her weaponry out of the bag right here. I have... I have an original Tila. She's a very common figure. She's one that you find all the time, but I don't... I don't have any of her weaponry, and I don't have any of her armament. She has an armament, like, a helmet with a chest plate with a, um... With a snake on it, which is... Which is interesting. You would think that with, you know, every weird thing going on in that world, they might stay away from the uh, snake iconography. But they do not. Tila, Tila's a bit snaky. She has a staff that's also snaky. And then when you, um, when you get her other hand free, you can put the shield. She has a very small, little small shield in here. Let me open up her hand just a bit more. Put it in there. Fits well. The hands are a little tight at first, but they're made with kind of a soft, uh, malleable plastic, so it's no big deal to, like, bend them a little bit and, uh, get these in here, but nah, man, she's dope, I'm gonna put her up with my other He-Man, I wonder if my other Tila is gonna be jealous, because this one has the armor, and this one has the shield, this one has the staff, again, I'm very happy with the, uh, retro He-Mans, I think that they're pretty dope, I can't wait for the, uh, 
the continuation of this line. I think it's really, really, really cool. They get me, they get me right in the heart because they're so similar to the originals that it just like it brings back the memories. I never, I never not never had Tila back in the olden days. I had a lot of He-Mans. They didn't have any of the female characters. No He-Man, no Tila rather, no She-Ra, nothing like that. No Evil Lynn. I only had like the uh, the guys. It wasn't like a big big girl figure possessor. I had Scarlet, and I know I had the Baroness and G.I. Joe, but that was, that was really about it. But this one, this one's really cool. Let's see what it says on the back. It says, you can fit her magical staff into her hand and twist her into powerful battle positions. Tila is a heroic warrior goddess. As captain of the Royal Guard, Tila fiercely fights to protect Eternia alongside He-Man. Modernizing and celebrating the original 80s Masters of the Universe action figures, Masters of the Universe Origins gives you the power to pose Eternia's greatest warriors as retro-style figures or in new heroic battle uh, action poses. So, is that what this line is called? Masters of the Universe Origins? I was not aware of that, but that's that's okay. I'm still probably just going to call them retro play. That's what, it, that's what it says on the front. And when I do play with them, it is kind of in a retro fashion. So, I, I feel like that's appropriate. This Tila is so close to the original Tila. It's, you know, it's a new mold, but you definitely see how they based it on the, uh, on the original Tila. But, like, overall, very, very, very happy with this, the first of my Christmas gifts. This was, this was kind of a gift that I bought myself, in a way. I, I had a gift card in my wallet, and I, I forgot that it was in there, and it expired, and I, I mentioned to my wife that it, that it expired, so she's like, oh, give it to me, I'll call, I'll call the place, and we'll see if they'll, uh, extend it. And I said, hey, man, have at it, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to go through the effort of doing that, but she said she wanted to, so she did, she called, she got it, and then she actually, she bought me this Hila on, Tila on eBay with that money, so in, in a way, it was money that came for myself, but it was money that I was probably gonna, just gonna throw in the garbage can, so it's her money, she found it, she found it in the garbage can, some good, some good dumpster diving, let's see what's inside, but, uh, man, it's cool, though, it's, it's cool, to, like, it's cool, though, I bear her no ill will, she, uh, she earned that money by calling. I do not like to call people and talk to them on the phone about different things. I don't want to call and complain about this. I don't want to call and complain about that. I hate calling the bank. I, I don't mind calling the bank. They're always very polite, but you can tell they have a script that they're reading. And sometimes I want to just say, hey, man, just skip the script. Let's just uh, jump to the part where I want to, like, transfer money from this account to this account. Or I want to, like, get a new card or whatever. I don't know. You didn't, you didn't need to hear any of that. I'm just kind of... I'm just kind of vamping till we get to the commercial. I have like a set set time that I have to go to. And I I thought I'd have more to say about Tila and these retro actions. But once I got into her, all there was to say was, this is a good figure. I really enjoy this. This is like, this is going to go up there with my other ones and they're all going to get along and have a good time. And now I wonder if my Tila is going to be jealous because this Tila is all dipped out and the other Tila doesn't have any of the accessories. I wonder. Probably I would be, wouldn't you? But let's, uh, let's just move forward. Let's just jump forward. I got this fun little uh, commercial here. It's, I believe it's an Italian, an Italian Motu commercial. It sounds like it might be Spanish, but I don't think it is. I think it's Italian. But in this commercial, our guy Skeletor grabs our gal Tila, and a bunch of other dudes have to come to her rescue. It's fun. Let's uh, do that, and then we will be back with the Pandemic Pantry. <laughs> Mattel presenta Masters, i dominatori dell'universo. <laughs> Skeletor ha catturato Tila. Froda ha visto, e con la Windrider vola da Kimei. He-Man, Tila è in pericolo. He-Man, con la sua Battle Cat, sfreccia via. Non vincerai, Skeletor. Ha! Man e 
Pete Arms gli si affianca e con il suo Butter Run sfonda ogni ostacolo. Sei finito, Skeletor! Tieni! No! Tila è libera! E ricordati, linea scuola Masters, la scuola più forte dell'universo! The Pandemic Pantry, with your host, The Sausagetarian. Hi friends, it's me, your girl, Sarah Burr, the Sausagetarian. I feel like we haven't talked in ages because we haven't. I hope you had a good Christmas time, all your holidays and everything. I got a present that made me think a little bit. My dad gave me a pull-through knife sharpener. These are handy little ways to sharpen your knife. I use a whetstone because that's how I was taught. It's a better way to sharpen your knife. I've been kind of a knife sharpening snob for years. But this, this knife sharpener my dad gave me got me to think it. It's really important to have sharp knives because it makes your time in the kitchen so much more enjoyable and way less stressful. When you don't have to wrestle with your food, you can cut it faster, you cut it more accurately, it's actually a little safer, you just feel better. So instead of spending half an hour of stressful time chopping five onions, you can do it in like 15 minutes or less. I'm pulling these numbers out of the air. But what I want to tell you is a dull knife doesn't help you and a sharp knife does. How can you get it sharp? You can get a pull-through knife sharpener, like my dad gave me. I don't need it because I know how to use my whetstone. I have special ways I use to keep my knife sharp. But I am a culinary professional, and those are my tools for doing my job. If you are a home cook and you're just cooking at home, it's still okay to have a sharp knife, and you can get it sharp by a bunch of different ways. So just order yourself little tools. Um, you can use a hone, right? That's what that metal stick that... The chefs are always hanging and clanging on. Drunk, drunk, drunk. That's not a sharpener. That will realign your blade, but it doesn't make it sharp. It just helps it stay sharper longer. So when your knife is dull, the only thing that's going to get it sharp again is sharpening the knife. You can also take it to a sharpening service and pay somebody to do it for you. But the main thing is don't be afraid of getting your knife sharp. However you have to do it, because a nice knife that's dull is really worthless. And when your knives are sharp, you will love and reignite your love affair with cooking. It'll just make it way more fun. You will be empowered to make all kinds of great food this year. And I'm feeling good. I sharpened my knife with my whetstone last night. I gave the pull-through knife sharpener to my ex-husband, so he can have sharp knives, too. We all deserve sharp knives. You deserve sharp knives, and you deserve a great new year. And I hope you are making the most of it. I will talk to you next time. Thanks. È decisamente diverso. Dropping MCs with just one punch. He's the baddest of the bunch. Call him Captain Crunch. That's me, your dude, Captain Crunch, and I am back again. That was a pretty good segment, dude. I have never, not never had a knife that I, I needed to sharpen. Except for, of course, the Arthur Fonzarelli brand switchblade, but this... That blade needs no sharpening. If if I had to do it, I'd have to do it on, on the edge of the sun or something like that. Uh, iron sharpens iron. But at, at, at any rate, I, I remember back in the day at the Sebastopol flea market, there used to be this guy who sharpened knives. He had like a stone. He had like a stone wheel. And I'm not even kidding. At first, when we first started going there, way, 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 way back in the olden day, the dude would like pedal. He would like pedal power the wheel and grind the knife. But then over over the years, he got he got like a motorized wheel that he w- he would sharpen them on. And I always 
I always thought that this guy was pretty cool. He had his little thing going on every Sunday. He would go out to the flea market, sharpen knives, probably make some extra money that he would use on, you know, little things for himself. He also, he also made keys. He would, like, manually make keys. He had this whole entire wall, like, full of, like, key blanks. And I always thought these were, like, really attractive. Because they came in, like, they came in so many colors. And then he would, uh, he would, like, take your key and cut the key on, like, a different wheel. Like, he would manually do it by, by sight. I always thought this guy was cool. I, I'm sure he's passed away. He was... He was an elderly fella back in the, uh, back in the day, and that was, that was a long time ago. He, he was over in the corner of the flea market that is now, like, it's now, like, like, it's, like, totally empty. It's, like, empty. There's, like, hardly anybody over there, but there used to be him. There used to be the guy who told fortunes, the lady who sells Avon. The Avon lady's still there, and I feel a little bad for her because she has this booth in an area where there's, like, nothing around. So, unless you're, like, purposely looking for Avon, you just don't go through there. Like, there's no reason to go through because there's no other other booth. So, I feel bad that she's she's stuck in there, but there was her. And then there was a guy who sold comics. He sold, like, tools and stuff, but he also, he had, like, a whole comic book table on the side with, like, five or six, seven long boxes on it. And they were all, they were all, like, 25 cents each. This was, this was way back in the time of, um, what was the name of that company that was out of, uh out of Guerneville. Eclipse. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of the company that, like, Jim Shooter produced back in the, uh, back in the days, like, a uh, Magnus Robot Fighter and Solar, the Man of the Atom, things like that. It was, it was cool, though. I would go and I would buy, like, a few dollars worth of comics and then just kind of, kind of read them over, over, over the week. I used to be, like, a big 25-cent comic book guy. I still am, but not as much because I, I like, like, I don't feel like I have as much time to read comics, which is weird because nothing could be further than the truth because all I have time to do is to read comics lately because we're stuck in the house. I think that, I think that part of it is I've read, like, so many comics in my life, like, so many comics that I've wanted to read that I'm almost down to the comics that, like, I don't want to read if I want to read anything that I, that I haven't seen before from the past, but that's... That's fine. I mean, I mean, what a problem to have. But uh, the talk of knife sharpening, the Sagittarius talking about knife sharpening, really got me thinking about about this guy and his corner and his knife sharpening deal and how I never, I never had a knife for him to sharpen. I still don't even think that we have like any any exceptional knives. I know we have a couple that the wife prefers over other knives, but I don't know if it's just like the best of what we have. Or if they're actually decent knives. I don't think they're that decent. We got most of our knives at the flea market. There's this dude who sells at the Santa Rosa flea market. He'll come out every once in a while. And he just has like a giant table full of knives. It's like a mountain of knives. I don't know where he got these knives from. I have no idea. But it looks like he has like bins and bins and bins. And he just like dumps these knives out onto the table. And we'll like grab a couple from there. The wife knows like a little about knife brands. Like she's probably heard people say that like... The, uh, the Hanzo blade is, like, a masterful one, and if she sees a Hanzo, she'll go for that, or what have you, but our knives are all just, like, J.C. Penny knives, you know, the kind of knives that come in with a, with a knife block, like, you buy the knife block and it has the knives in it, but, um, it's fine, dude, we don't, we don't have a lot of, like, fine dicing and slicing, not, like, not like a sausageitarian would have, by any means, she's in there, like, dicing, slicing, doing all kinds of, kind of, uh, advanced chops that we... We know not. I appreciate that segment. Thank you, Sarah Burr. If you, if you're looking for her, find her at Sausageitarian on the Instagram, at Sausageitarian on the tweets. She's out there just 
Google Sarah Burr. Oh, this is this is wild. The wife was um she was looking for Instapot recipes on the internet the other day, and she was like poking around, poking around, and she was on some cooking site, some site that she uh, hadn't been on before, like a Google link letter there, and she's reading this recipe, and she like she actually factually said, "Oh, this sounds good." We're going to make this this week. It was a three bean chili. We're going to make this this week. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then she went, oh, snap, look. And she held it up. And Sarah actually wrote the recipe. I couldn't believe it. Like, what a crazy coincidence. We are on some random site she's never been to before. And there was our gal, the Sausagetarian. She was so ecstatic. It was so great. She messaged her on Facebook. But I don't even know if Sarah has Facebook. But um, anyway, that was... That was really cool, man. It's cool to, like, bump into the work of a friend out there in the wild. Let's move forward into the show. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about baseball cards, my bros. I got some of these cards laying around that have been coming in. I I tend to buy them late at night when I'm on the eBay all by myself. All alone out there watching reruns of Southland on HBO Max. Buying baseball cards. Here we go! Yes, take a look at these sports cards. A great new way to relive the great moments of sports. You know that? Pictures. You know that? Special symbols tell you at a glance the contents of all the cards and let you file them as you wish. On the back, dozens of fascinating facts for records. Who broke them and when? You know that? Plus the athlete's story, his achievements and setbacks. Up next, a trip into the world of sports trading cards with the rated bookkeeper ruler, I see Robot. This is me, this is your dude, I see robots, and we are gonna talk baseball cards, 70s and 80s cards from back in the time when, like, collecting cards was the thing to do. I used to be, like, a massive baseball card collector. You don't even know. I was into it so much that, like, it superseded comics and toys for, like, a large part of my life. I, I like baseball. I'm not, like, the biggest, like, baseball viewer of all the all the time and space, but I, I like to read about baseball. I like wacky baseball characters. I, I play baseball video games. I don't know, man. I, I like the legends and the lore and the history and the numbers and all those, all those things about, about the America's favorite pastime. Let's, let's see what we got. I have three cards right here, right now. One came from the Atlanta metro area. One came from Milwaukee, and one is from uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. I have put them in the order in which they are received. I went ahead of time and opened the envelope so that we can get into them a little uh, a little easier. But I haven't looked at any of the cards, and to be honest, I'm not sure what's in each of them. I kind of have an idea of what cards are coming, but I like I go on eBay like late at night after having a couple uh, rosés and sprites, and I'll uh. I'll bid on cards or I'll buy cards at like these super cheap prices. Back in the day, man, I used to pay like 20 bucks, 40 bucks for a lot of these cards. And now I'm getting them for like two, three dollars. But I like I buy them and I know they're coming. But then I get the envelope and I sit it on my desk here waiting to do one of these segments. And I just sort of I just sort of forget. And then I mix them up. So I don't even know what's in each one. Let's uh, let's get this one here. This one came from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's in a hard plastic holder, which I appreciate. Oh, this is actually a good one. I remember when I bought this one, I thought, oh, you know what? That's a card I've always wanted, and now I will have it. And at the time that I wanted it, this was like a $25 card, and I got it for a mere $6. This is a 1974 Tops card number. What is the card number here? Card number 223, Robin S. Yaunt. Robin Yaunt's. Rookie card. Robin Yacht was the shortstop 
for the Milwaukee Brewers. And dude is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. This card is, it's fairly old. I have a book right here in my hand. It's called Baseball, Baseball's Best 1000. And it has little bios on the top 1,000 guys in the history of baseball. And I thought that I could kind of use this book as a way to frame some of these baseball players. So here, Robin Yant is rated number 66. So he is the 66th best baseball player of all time. That's that's quite an achievement, man. When you look back at the amount of uh, players who've played over the years, he started at shortstop at 18. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1999. He... He finished his career with a batting average of 285, 251 home runs, and he got 3,142 hits. The 3,000 hits is the thing. You get you get 3,000 hits, hits, and you are for sure a lock for the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of tape on this case. There's a big piece of tape on the back. Let's see if I can get this off in one swipe. Nope, it's going to come into fragments. What a... What a development. I'll be able to get him off, but I w wish it would have come off in one here. I'm picking it right now. Well, while we're talking, I don't really have, like, any amazing Robin Yant antidotes, anecdotes, rather, but dude was just, like, the most solid baseball player. He was, like, so solid that you never really even thought about it. It was Paul Molitor and Robin Yant were the two stars of the Brewers, and I don't know, man. I was just, like, I admired how steady he was. Like, slow and steady wins the race. Slow and steady got him in the Hall of Fame. We went to the... We went to the ballpark in Milwaukee once when I was a kid. When we lived in Illinois, we went to visit my aunt's, my aunt's relatives in Wisconsin, and we went to the ballpark in uh, that the Brewers played in. That was that was really fun. I remember that I had a really great time. But like my most distinct memory is that like we parked in some weird place, and we had to walk all the way there to the to the stadium. Like we parked way off site. We didn't park in the lot. This is where my aunt's uh, relatives wanted to park, which is fine. But we had to walk across these train tracks. And as a young young sprat, I was afraid to go across because I thought that, like, a train was going to hit me. We didn't we didn't have, like, a train going through Oaklawn, where I lived at the time. So the idea of the, of the train is what I remember the most. Let's see, the next... That was such a thrilling story. The next card that we have right here is a... This is a, an okay card. It is a 1977 Rookie Outfielders 488. It's the rookie card... Of Jack Clark. I, I like Jack Clark. He was uh, he was the prototype of the baseball player that I liked as a kid. He struck out a lot and he hit a lot of home runs because I wasn't a good hitter, but I kind of convinced myself that I had some some like home run power, which I which I definitely did not. Uh check it out. Jack Clark is not one of the top one thousand players of all the time in space. What a what a sad um what a sad turn of events. He wasn't awesome by any stretch. Don't even think he was. But I, I liked him. What one, one thing I remember liking a, a lot about him was that, like, in all of his baseball cards, he always looked really squinty. Like, he looked like he was looking into the sun, and he, he was, like, posing for his picture, looking into the sun. And he just had his eyes almost shut. He played for the Giants. He played for the uh, the Red Sox. All, all sorts of teams. He was, like, the kind of player who was, like, an all-star. But, like, not all the way there. But he... He amongst, like, Rob Deere was somebody I enjoyed who was, like, one of these uh, strikeout-a-lot, hit-a-lot-of-home-run guys. Rob Deere, Jack Clark, Daryl Evans. I, I fancied myself like a home-run hitter. Like, I would go up and just swing as hard as I could. Like, every time we would play batting practice with my dad or we would, like, play softball in P.E. And a lot of times I would miss. A lot of times I would hit it far. Most of the time I would just kind of, like, hit it 
like moderately hard, like right at somebody. That was kind of my my mo for a power hitter. I hit a lot of grounders too. I was always grounding out in softball. I I don't even know why I bought this card. To be like ten thousand percent honest with you guys, I think I paid like seventy five cents. That's probably the reason. Jack Clark's fine. I have nothing against Jack Clark, but uh, I don't think I need this one super badly in my collection. But it's fine. Not even top 1,000. Some of these guys at the bottom of the 1,000 are, are real run-of-the-mill players. Poor Jack Clark. I wonder if he bought the book, discovered he wasn't in it, and he was a bit bummed out. Let's get the uh, third one here. This one is also in an envelope. One of the things I kind of like about these is a lot of times you get, like, free shipping on baseball cards because all they're doing is putting it into an envelope. It's like 37 cents or however much a, however much a stamp costs. This is, this is a cool one. This is a Topps. Dodger Future Stars. It's card number 302, 1981. It's the rookie card of the great Fernando Valenzuela. I was really caught up in Fernando Mania when I was, like, a young dude. I wasn't, like, I wasn't, like, a big Dodger fan or anything, but I thought that, like, Fernando was so cool. He was one of these, one of these players who really transcended baseball. There was something about him just, like, just, like, the every madness of Fernando that really, really, really caught America's eye. He was just like a giant star. I think he won like the Cy Young Award, which is the award given to the best pitcher, and he won like the Rookie of the Year. And then he, then he kind of fizzled out. He hurt his arm and he fizzled out. There's a really good, there's a really good 30 for 30 on ESPN Plus right now, if you happen to have that, about Fernando called Fernando Nation. Pretty good stuff. It gets really in-depth to the, uh, to the flash of, of, of Fernando. He was all that for a while, dude could pitch. He was killing it as a pitcher. He was a screwball pitcher. A screwball is kind of like, it's kind of like a reverse curveball. You can't see my hand right now, but to, uh, to throw a curveball, you kind of break your, your, your hand. You twist your hand kind of, kind of clockwise and then, I mean, counterclockwise, and then you kind of reverse it to throw the screwball and it goes the other way, but it's really, it's really taxing on your, your elbow and your wrist. And, uh, Fernando paid the price. Let's see. Let's see where we got Fernando Valenzuela on the, uh, he's on page 264. Somewhere, somewhere down near the bottom. Let's see. Fernando Valenzuela is the 800th best baseball player of all the time in space. He pitched for the Dodgers, the Angels, the Orioles, the Phillies, the Padres, and the Cards. He played from 80 to 97. Fernando Mania hit Los Angeles like crazy in 81. Over the course of his career, he won 173 games, he lost 153, and he had an earned run average of a 354. The the earned run average is kind of like how many runs you'll give up in an average nine-inning game. So if Fernando pitched for nine innings, he would, uh, on average, give up three and a half runs. That's not bad. Uh, give it up to Fernando. He had a heck of a career. He's no he's no Steve Balboni, though. Am I right? Steve Bye-Bye Balboni. I was thinking about this guy the other day again. He was um, the dude we talked about in the last segment of the uh, of the uh, the baseball card, Jones. We, we, meaning me and my brother, we used to talk about Steve Balboni like nonstop for this one period of our life. We were just like, we were just like obsessed with this guy and his uh, mediocrity and his mustache. Just like everything about him. The thing about like Steve Balboni that was like a big bummer was he was like a hotshot rookie for the Yankees. And then he, uh... He got pushed behind Don Mattingly. Like, Don Mattingly came up. You might know Don Mattingly from the famous episode of The Simpsons. He was the first baseman on Mr. Burns' team who had the, uh, had the issue with his, um, sideburns. But Donnie Baseball came up right around the same time as Steve Balboni. So Balboni went from being, like, the hotshot starter to, like, the backup to Donnie Baseball. But look, dude, when you got a guy named Donnie Baseball 
on your team, and your name is Steve Balboni, Steve Bye Bye Balboni, Steve Bones, Stevie B, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna play the back, but that's fine. But I don't know, dude. We just like when I when I when I think back, we were just like so into cards, man. I was so into cards for such a long time, and I. I've kind of suppressed a lot of these memories for some weird reason. No, nothing bad about it. But I got so much back into uh, comics and into toys after being into cards for so long that I just kind of like push cards like back into the back of my head. But like at one time we used to get, we used to get Beckett magazine, Beckett baseball cards. And then we got another like, it was like a newspaper, like a penny saver, like a classified gazette. If you live here in uh, the Sonoma County area with with like ads for baseball card stores and baseball card shows and guys selling baseball cards. Pick that one up. It was like baseball card news or sports collector card news or something like that. We picked that up at the uh, at the baseball card store. So we were like collecting cards, buying cards, stacking cards, putting cards in holders and reading about cards. Like, like, I don't even know, man. Like seemingly all the time. I'm not even kidding you. Like all the time. And then I just kind of, I kind of just like put it all in the back of my mind. But then once, uh... Once, like, I just, I don't know, I was on eBay one night, and I started poking around, and cards came back, and now, now I'm in it to win it again. Let me get my, my card box. This is where I've been keeping my cards. It's a, uh, it's a Blue Empire Pencil Corporation. Don't lose it. All-purpose box, and as I've been buying these cards, I've been putting them in here. It's a pencil box, essentially, like a plastic pencil box. So let's see. Kirby Puckett rookie, Steve Balboni rookie autograph, Jack Morris rookie, Sweet Lou Alan Trammell, Daryl Evans, joining Build the Spaceman Lee, got this Ken Griffey Jr., put these all here, and now, Fernando, you are enshrined into the Hall of Fame box, Jack Clark, somehow, you're in here, I'm gonna put you on the other side, you don't get to be I think out of all the cards I have so far, the Robin Yaunt that I got today might be the best of all the cards, it's the one I know I spent the most for, but I did not spend that much at all at any rate let's uh tuck these in here and we're gonna at any rate let's tuck these in here move this over here and we're gonna we're gonna move forward this has been fun it's been great hope you guys have fun mattel presenta e ricordati linea scuola masters mattel presenta la scuola più forte dell'universo mattel presenta <ride> I was on my way up here to the studio. You know what I'm saying? And this brother stopped me and asked me, Yo, I said, yo. The brother don't swear he nice. He knows he's nice. So yo, we got a feeling you turning into a public enemy, man. Now remember that line you was kicking to me on the way out to Joe video? Well, he was in the car on our way to the shop. Right now, kick the bass for them brothers and let them know what goes on. Alrighty, tidy whitey, we are back kicking that bass for your face. This is me, I see robots, and we're, I think we're getting ready to. Um, we're gonna take it home right about, uh, right about now. I know that there's been, I know there's been a lot of baseball card talk as of late, and I, I appreciate you guys for sitting through that. We'll, we'll take the next week off. No baseball card talk, as far as I foresee from this point forward. I don't know what we'll talk about from as of right now. We'll. We'll lay off next week, but I, I hope that you guys can get into the vibe. The vibe of the nostalgia that I have for these baseball cards and this this whole era of, like, of like card collecting, dude. You don't even know how much of my time I spent invested in cards back in the day. How much time me and my bro 
spent uh, cracking on Steve Balboni and his mighty mustache. We would we would also play Earl Weaver baseball. This was this like uh, computer baseball game where you could like set your rosters and do all all kinds of stuff like that. I I plan on fully talking about Earl Weaver baseball at some point, but that was that was a big pastime for the two of us for a while. We would like we would set our rosters, make our dudes, and then over time it sort of morphed into this like fantasy universe where we started integrating baseball players from like fictional uh fictional outlets like movies or books. I think it all started when my brother signed his team signed Roy Hobbs, the natural Roy Hobbs, and he kind of he kind of figured out some made up stats for Roy Hobbs where like he was like had a power rating of 9 and a batting average of 9 and just everything was 9s and he started he started tearing up the league. So I, in return, signed... Who did I sign? I don't even recall off the top of my head who it was. It was um some sort of a supernatural pitcher. I think it was the kid from Rookie of the Year. The one where, like, he's a little kid and he hurts a tendon in his elbow and he ends up becoming, like, a major league pitcher. I think I signed that guy. Or maybe I signed, like, Ricky Vaughn from Wild Things. And it just, like, it went on like that for years. We we started just, like, this fictional uh, universe of baseball. Baseball's been, like, the biggest thing in my life for, like, long periods of times as far as, as far as entertainment. I'm starting to get back into it now. I, I pulled up the PlayStation 3. I was, um, listening to a podcast. And they started talking about a, uh... A mixed martial arts game for the PlayStation 3 where they signed a bunch of, like, unsigned fighters from, like, various leagues in hopes that this game could go up against the, uh, up against the UFC game. And I was like, so I went and I unearthed the PlayStation 3 and hooked it up again to the TV so that I could play that game. But then I also started playing this baseball game I have called The Show 2013, which is, like, the entire, the entire Major League roster of games from 2013. And that was, that was a year when I was, like, way into it. The... The wife's work had a program where they would, like, offer, like, low price tickets to Oakland A's games. Her company's based out of Oakland, and they would offer low price tickets to the games. And we ended up going to, like, a bunch of games in 2013. I'm not even kidding. We went to, like, a ton of games. I got to know the players. And I, I have, like, a real fondness for the A's team of that year with, like, Josh Donaldson and Reddick and, and Bartolo Colon and all these guys. So I've been playing a season as those guys. I'll play, like, a couple games a day, and I don't know, man. It's, like, it's helping me to fill the time during this, like, this, uh, lockdown. We're locked down in California for the foreseeable future. The virus is going crazy all around us, and it's winter, so I can't go flip tires. I can't go do any of that fun stuff that I know and love, so I'm, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing PS3 baseball and collecting baseball cards, and I guess I'm talking to you guys. Let's talk about something serious for a sec. The, uh, the wife, the aforementioned wife, was lucky enough to get offered the vaccine. She's a medical worker. She got it. She took it. This was, this was at this point, I think, three weeks ago. I decided to wait and see before I started bringing any of this up. I, I myself, I feel 100% confident in taking the vaccine as far as my health. I think I'll be fine. I don't think that, I don't think there's any plot to poison me, any threat to uh, put a microchip in me or anything. But the wife got it. It's been a couple weeks, and she's totally fine. She had no side effects. Her entire department got it. Nobody at her entire area got any kind of side effects at all. Nothing. She said it hurt a little bit uh, around the ejection point. She's already she's already scheduled to go in for the second dose, so I want to say, with, with a little bit of a scientific eye, my observational skills, I feel like the vaccine is going to be safe. And I think that if you guys get a chance to get it, you should definitely take it. You should for sure... 
jump at that chance. If they called me right now and they said, hey, come on down, you can get it right now, I would get it. You know why? Because once you get it in you, it's essentially over for you. You lose that, like, fear that you're going to get it and you're going to die because people are getting it and people dying. So I, I cannot say this with enough seriousness. If you could offer the chance for the vax... Go get it. Go take it. I, uh, this is me, I see robots, and I do my best not to mislead you guys in any way. I don't want to. It's not nice. I try to just put a little happiness into your life, give you a little, a little giggle, a little uh, nostalgic feelings or whatever. I'm not a trickster. I'm not tricking you. So if you get the chance to take it, just take it. I saw her do it. Nothing happened. She had a little sore spot on her arm where they stuck her. Nothing else. Uh, what else is going on? Anything else? I don't know. I don't even think so. We'll be back. We'll be back soon enough with another fun episode. I've been working on an episode of This Boring Life right now. I've been kind of cranking away on that. It's about um, it's about portable music players like Walkman, MP3 players, things like that. I've been I've been working on this for a while. It should be it should be ready for release sometime, sometime soon-ish. I would imagine so. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Keep your eyes peeled for Gino Vega. Keep your eyes peeled for the Sausageitarian. Keep your eyes peeled for Carlos Peron and Geekfest Rants. This is me, Icy Robot, signing off. Do the time. Don't let the time do you. Times seem hard right now. But you gotta believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Stuff's, stuff's getting better. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production. La scuola più forte dell'universo.